I, I just want to give a little preamble to this and why I wanted to do this with all of you. Um, one is, is, I think you'll find in this, this very short story that sometimes what we get from an image or a story is something that we can carry with us and reflect upon in a way that it has a kind of applicability to so many different um, times in our life. And, and what I want to point out is in some ways this story isn't giving us like information, like the information that you get on the internet. It's, it's a medium, it's a tool that allows us to reflect on our life. So it's really quite different in that sense and I think this is what we get from story. And I find it really interesting just to give the backdrop of, of a little bit of the history of Buddhism because I, th I think this happens so often when, when kind of any kind of spiritual tradition gets institutionalized is that s sometimes it begins with a lot of stories and a lot of analogies and metaphors and then it somehow gets codified and, and then somebody somewhere decides what it means and then if you want to buy into that then you have to believe what that person thinks it means. And then it's just a drag, right? <laughs> So hopefully we can do something other than that. <laughs> so let's go through it and, uh, and see what we get from this. And of course, you know, I'm just going to be sharing just a little bit of my reflections and then, um, and then hopefully you'll have your own reflections. And maybe, could somebody give those to the folks that came in there? Okay, so I'll just read through it. I have heard that on one occasion, the Blessed One, so the Blessed One is the Buddha, was staying near Savati in Jetta's Grove, Anattapindika's monastery. And so again, Anattapindika was, a, was a, a, a big supporter of the Buddha. So he, there he was, he was hanging out. And, well, maybe I'll say a little bit more. So Jetta's Grove, so you can still go to where Jetta's Grove is in India. It's a place called Deer Park. It's north of uh, Varanasi. And it's really quite beautiful. There's still a park there, and it really is, is a striking, beautiful place. But it's park-like, and it supposedly during that time, it also had this sense of where you're kind of in the city, but out of the city because you're in this, this park. So there he was. And then, so the story goes, a certain deva or devata. So a deva is just a, a celestial being. In the far extreme of the night, her extreme radiance lighting up the entirety of Jetta's grove went to the Blessed One. On arrival, having bowed down to him, she stood to one side. As she was standing there, she said to him, Tell me, tell me, dear sir, how you crossed over the flood. I crossed over the flood without pushing forward and without staying in place. But how, how, dear sir, did you cross over the flood without pushing forward and without staying in place? When I pushed forward, I was whirled about. And when I stayed in place, I sank. And so I crossed over the flood without pushing forward and without staying in place. And then the deva, the devata said, at long last I see a Brahmin totally unbound, and totally unbound is a, a, another phrase for one who is completely uh, free or completely awakened, who without pushing forward and without staying in place has crossed over the entanglements of the world. This is what the Deva said. The teacher approved. 
Realizing that the teacher has approved of me, she bowed down to him, circumambulated him, keeping him to her right, and then vanished right there. So this very simple story. An important question, how do you cross over the flood? The flood of, flood of, of uh, the trouble and the challenge that we're, we, we, we're faced with so much in our lives. And I want to point out, not the clearest of answers, huh? <laughs> and, and I think this is important. He, he didn't say, okay, so just, just do the breaststroke. And you use your arms like this, and you use your feet like this, and you breathe like this. So we're not given that as an answer. And I think it's important to see that we're not given that. Because so often that's what I want, is I want something nice and clear and succinct to know how to cross over the flood. That's what I'm looking for. And so often that's why we come to a spiritual tradition sometimes, you know. Life is oppressing us in some kind of manner. And then, oh, maybe, maybe there's an answer here. And yet there's something powerful about not giving maybe the kind of technical answer that we're looking for. Yet it's clear, if you push forward, you're gonna, it's not going to work. You're going to get whirled about. And if you stand still, you're going you're gonna to sink. You're going to drown. What does this tell you about your life? What does it tell you about navigating your life? This is the question. And I want to point out, so some of you might know, in the Zen tradition, sometimes they have these koans. And koans, the, the, the horrible translation of what a koan is, is a riddle. It's really not a riddle. What it is, I think the best definition I've given, is that, that it's an important matter that needs to be clarified. And this is the important matter that needs to be clarified on this spiritual path. How do I navigate my life? How do I live my life in the most skillful way, in the most free way? Or how do I cross the flood? So I think that's the, the first question is the sense of when you're pushing forward in your life, what does that look like for you? And I want to point out, it can look so many different ways. It might be unique to each and every one of you. What I found when I was reflecting on this today, <laughs> probably be different tomorrow if I were to share this with you, is what I can notice is that when I push forward, it's like the, it, the, my to-do list has dominion over me. It's, it's, I, I determine how well my life is going by how much I'm getting done. You ever do that one? So, it can be so oppressive. Actually, a few weeks ago, someone shared with me when, when they feel like they're really uh, in their practice. And they said, I'm in my practice when I'm doing something on my to-do list, and it doesn't feel like I'm doing something on my to-do list. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's so accurate. When I'm just there, you know, doing the dishes, sweeping the kitchen floor, just this. 
rather than the thing I need to cross off to get to the next thing. And it feels different. Same activity, but it can feel so different if I'm just there with it rather than pushing forward. And do you know this feeling? This feeling of it's like you're already at the next step, but you're not in this step. The leaning forward to what's next. It's so tragic because I, I, I always have the feeling I'm missing my life then if I'm trying to get through my life in that way, if I'm trying to push through the th flood in that way. It does feel like I'm getting whirled about. But not just with the things I need to do. Sometimes it's pushing through an experience in terms of trying to, it, it feels sometimes like I'm trying to push through a situation or push through a person. And what I mean by that is, is a lot of times the pushing through for me feels like if only that person were different. What's going on here? For example, last week I was teaching this retreat and working with a lot of staff and things like that. And there was one individual and they felt so distant. And where my mind, I noticed, was going was, why are they so distant? What's up with this? Did I say something wrong? Did I do something? Are they sick? <laughs> What's wrong with them? Like, I wanted to figure that out. And it was so different. I felt like I was trying to push through to kind of figure that out. And it was different when I just met them in being distant. It's like I could feel the difference in my body. It was like, ah, oh, that's just the way they are. Oh, interesting. Can I start there in that relationship? Rather than that figuring out and trying to push through. And if my mind only did it with other people, my life wouldn't be so bad. But I notice that same dynamic can happen with myself, how I relate to myself. That trying to push through something rather than simply sink into what this feels like right now. Oh, interesting. It was also last week. You could tell last week was very <laughs> full. There was just one day, there was so much irritability in the system. And what shifted was just to get to a point where I could just label, oh, irritable, oh, interesting. There's just so much irritability right now, and it feels like this in the body. Oh, I actually don't need to push through it. I just need to kind of feel it, to feel what it feels like to be irritable. And that also cut down with trying to blame the irritability on everything else. Was it that person? Was it humidity? Hmm. Was it all the ants in the kitchen? <laughs> oh, no, no, it just feels like this. How do you push forward in your life in a way that you get whirled about? And I want to point out, the spiritual practice is trying to get a, a feeling sense of what that's like in your life. Not, oh, I shouldn't push forward and I need to stop it. Because if I do that, then I, I, I don't investigate what the dynamic of the mind is like. I actually really need to clearly see it if it's going to stop. Because when I see it, then I can step out of it more, I'm much more likely to step out of it. Not only in our lives, you might find it in your meditation practice. We can push forward, we could push for something in a way, in a very unskillful way, that, that meditation is only worthwhile when we feel calm and collected which is a good thing, I want to say. 
Having a quality of calm and collectedness, the quality of samadhi is important. We're here to cultivate that. But it just ain't that way all the time. Can you notice the pushing forward and getting the world about? And then the Buddha said, it also, when I stayed in place, I sank. Where do you stay in place in your life in a way that you sink? What does that look like for you? What I need to remind myself is when I'm just doing the same old thing again and again and again, what's going to happen is I just get the same old thing again and again. If I do what I've always done, I'll get what I've always gotten. And this is in terms of how, I'm, how is this heart and mind relating to this experience right now? And that's that staying in place for me, that sinking. Just lost in unskillful habits. And then in meditation, how does this manifest itself? You sit down, intention to meditate, you plan your day worry about this and that, go through your to-do list. <laughs> and of course the mind just does that, but there has to be this willingness to bring the mind back. Actually, Ajahn Chah, who was a great Thai forest uh, monastic, he put it well, he said, some people think that the longer you can sit, the wiser you must be. But I I've seen chickens sit on their nests for days on end. <laughs> <laughs> so there's something more to practice than just sitting. It's about how we're inclining the mind when we sit. How am I shaping the mind when I'm sitting in meditation? And the big piece of this is this willingness, that I have to have the willingness to always bring the mind back again and again and again to what's going on right now. And the reason, as most of you know why I use this word willingness, is because you don't have a lot of control over it. But I need to have the willingness to do that for it to begin to shape the mind. And it's true, have you noticed, for those of you who have some kind of regular meditation practice, that some days are just going to be more successful than others in terms of bringing the mind back. And that's just the way it is. That's just how the mind is. But what I can be clear about is my intention. It was just my intention. You could say that so much of Buddhist practice hinges around simply placing certain kinds of intentions. And then the practice takes care of itself. And when I started to get that, it was such a relief because then I wasn't trying to quote unquote track how far across the flood I was getting. I was just practicing, and then I was allowing the practice to take care of itself. Such relief. And this is just one rendition of what it means to push forward or to stay in place. You know, what is it for you?
It could be physiologically, a kind of physiological state that we're in. Sometimes our modus, mode of operation could be worry or a mode of operation of anger, a kind of sense of pushing against experience in some kind of manner. And if we're not doing that, then we're collapsed. You ever feel that? Either the pushing or the collapse, the pushing or the collapse. That's not living, that's surviving. That's, that's, that's acting like there's a mountain lion always at your back, but there's not one there. And yet there's this engagement in the threat response moment after moment after moment. And the Buddha is saying, you can't cross the flood that way. You're just going to get whirled about or you're going to sink. And then for me, what's most important about this story is to remember you're crossing a flood. So you're not crossing a stream or a creek or even a river. You're crossing a flood. And so often I can forget that, that actually I'm crossing a flood. This is really difficult. Because sometimes what my mind does is, you should be doing this so much better than you are. What's wrong with you? Why can't you keep it together? Be present. And what's implied in that is, it's only a stream. Have you ever noticed those thoughts in your mind? I find it so helpful to remember that it's a flood because right then I can soften. Wow, this is difficult. Being a human being is a challenging thing. Wow, this is a flood that I'm crossing. Can you feel the softening in the heart when you really take that in? Rather than I should be farther across or I should be much better at swimming? Wow, this is a flood. And it changes so much when I'm relating to others when I remember that they too are crossing a flood. If I can just remember that, it changes everything. But no wonder, no wonder things have been so difficult with that individual in my life. Oh, they too are crossing a flood. It's really tough. They might not push forward the way I do. They push forward in a really different way than I do. But they're just trying to struggle to get across. That's all they're doing. And I think the beautiful thing about these Monday nights is when we come here, we can begin to open up a small space for something different that's so uh, radical, which is to actually just be here, to begin to be here with my experience, not to fight it, but to be here with it. And it doesn't mean that I start to just stand there and sink. Of course, hopefully a responsivity to the world that we live in arises but it comes from someplace different. So for this, this sit that will begin, um, actually in a little while here, I, I just want to name, to see if you can start to get a sense of what it is to push forward 
in your meditation practice and what it is to begin to stand still and sink. What do those feel like? And what does it feel like when you're kind of in between, when you're simply present with experience, even if it's for a moment? What is going to be the, the thing for the meditation? But I do want to take some time. I actually want to take just five minutes to do just a bit of a, a reflective practice, because it, it's not only about our formal meditation practice, but our lives. And so what I invite you to do is just um, to, to now see if we can relate to this a little bit differently. What I invite you to do is to bring your attention inward. Just get a sense of arriving a little bit, feeling your body sitting. Maybe begin to feel the breathing. as you continue to feel the breathing, what I invite you to do is not so much meditate in the way we usually do, but to actually reflect, to inwardly reflect on in what ways do you push forward in your life? Push forward in a way that you get world about. Simply acknowledging how you push forward in a way that you get whirled about. And having a sense of softness around those ways that you're seeing, remembering it's a flood. No wonder, of course, this mind and body does that. It's doing the best it can. Now I invite you to bring to mind maybe ways that you stand in place, that you stand in place in a way that it feels like you're sinking. Maybe through avoidance or shutting down, just bringing them to mind.
And then I invite you to soften around what comes to mind, remembering, ah, you're crossing a flood. No, no wonder, of course. This mind and body is just doing the best that it can. And in that softening around recognizing these dynamics of pushing forward and staying in place, you might notice there's a quality that's neither of those, that is just here in this moment with the breath or with the sound of my voice. So at times in your life, there might be something useful about this reflection, and you might notice that just from day to day, it really might be quite different, and you might have a different sense of what the flood is, what it is to push forward, what it is to stay in place, and what it is to skillfully move forward, to actually swim across by being present. So let's take a, just a minute or two to stand up. You might want to stretch your legs, move around, and then we'll come in and uh, connect this a bit more just with the, the silent sitting meditation. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.